You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm okay, but if I'm really honest, I haven't been doing super great lately. I'm kind of super, really, really down. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. What? Well, you and I talk all the time. We talk every day. And you know I've been thinking about going to therapy, but I've been mm-hmm. to therapists before, and I'm afraid that a therapist wouldn't understand all my disability stuff. And you know how much I love talking about disability, right? Yeah, I hear you have, like, a whole podcast about it. Right. I mean, I talk about it all the time, everywhere. And I'm just worried that I don't want to explain to a therapist, like, what is ableism? What is disability? Like, I don't want to do that before we get into my stuff, you know? Yeah, that's fair. You shouldn't have to, like, fully educate a therapist before starting a therapeutic process. And I think that's really hard because, honestly, you deserve support from someone who gets it. You get it? You're You're my best friend. You get it? What do you think I should do? I mean, I think you should find a disability-informed support person to help you work through this. If anyone listening to this is interested, I'm actually offering disability-informed support for $40 per session. Whoa, whoa, $40 a session? That's super cheap. The last time I checked, one session was like over 100 bucks. But we can still talk about disability stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, everything from, like, physical changes in your body to ableism and exploring internalized ableism, grief that comes with disability, chronic pain, all that good, terrible stuff that so many of us live It's so fun, isn't it? It's like so it's great. It's the best, yes. And I, I know you also do, you also offer support for non-disabled people too, right? Yeah, I do support for able-bodied and non-disabled people as well because really, I mean, Everyone gets sick or experiences illness or vulnerability at some time in their life. And while that's a different experience than living with chronic disability, I think it's all very related. And if you're going through any sort of life change where you're having grief related to bodily change or body difference, I'm more than happy to support you with that as well. I think everybody deserves and needs affordable support. I think that it's such a great thing you're offering and I want to make sure that all the lovely listeners of Disability After Dark can reach you. How do they do that? Okay, well, right now they can reach me by email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, one zero at gmail.com. And you can email me there to ask me questions or uh, let me know if you'd like more information, or you can go straight to booking a support session with me. Awesome. Well, I, I can't... 
I can't speak any more highly of this amazing thing. I'm so excited that there's finally disability-centered support for stuff like ableism and for stuff like internalized ableism and all the stuff that we go through that we never get to talk about. And thank you so much for offering it and for putting yourself out there, Kristen. Aw, thanks, Andrew. I hope you feel better soon. Me too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone of willy or clone of pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clona Willy or Clona Pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your delectable daddy host, A.A. Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started, shall we?
Okay, so you heard me call myself AA right there. I'm trying a little different thing with my name professionally. I want to see if AA Gerza sounds cool, if I like it. So I'm still Andrew, but I'm just trying that out to see how it feels. And I wanted to try it out here. So, um, yeah. But today we're going to watch a dumpster fire of a film together for another installment of Great Flicks and Joysticks. I can tell you this is not a great flick. And it did not bring me any joysticks. It was, in fact, really horrible. And I only watched it so that I could hate-watch it. The movie we're going to talk about today is, of course, Sia's 2021 film, Music. Get ready to hate-watch this film with me, because this movie has no redeeming qualities, represents disability in the worst possible way, and I just have so many issues with it, and we're going to dive into those right now. But first, here's the trailer for music. All right, Nelly, here we go. My neighbor's passed out on the floor, and I can't feel her pulse. Does the little girl have any family members we can contact? Family members? I can hardly take care of myself. Come on, this is your responsibility. Grow up. Hey, music? I'm your sister. All she's got now is you. Calm down, it's okay. Hi there. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. Music, it's your friend Ebo. I live next door. Can you move in? <laughs> She can understand everything you are saying to her. And if you are happy, press this one. Very funny, troublemaker. <laughs> she sees the world in a completely different way from us. We're about oh. to have a pool party. I am I'm gonna help her just like she helps me. And I'm actually learning how to love because I love her. And we're back. Did you enjoy that trailer that had Maddie Ziegler pretending to be autistic? Because I certainly didn't. Even the trailer was so problematic. And the movie doesn't get any better. Believe me when I tell you. So let's dive right in. Right now. And if you want to hate watch it with me, you can do that on Amazon Prime in Canada where it's free. Or you can watch it on Apple TV or YouTube or all the other places if you want to rent it for like five bucks and hey watch it with me but if you don't you can just listen to me rip it to shreds because that's what i'm gonna do today 
There has been so much controversy and ableism connected to this film, I had to hate watch it for myself to understand why it was so hated. I'd heard for for such a long time as the film was being produced, as the film was coming out, so many problems with it and so many disabled community members saying that it's a that it is not a film to be seen, that we should boycott it, that there were all these problems with it. And the way that Sia responded to ableist criticism only made it worse. There were so many problems with it, so I wanted to see just why it was so bad. And wow, wow, they were not wrong. The critics were correct. The film is really, really bad. And let's pop in to talk about why. If you don't know, Sia produced this movie Music about a girl with autism and didn't hire an autistic actor to play her, instead choosing to push the role on her protege, Maddie Ziegler, who you saw in the Chandelier music video a couple years ago, who's been Sia's like favorite dancer for most of her musical career. Um, and so she chose Maddie Ziegler as the lead character in this film. Maddie Ziegler is a dancer, does not have disabilities, does not have autism, and she even said to Sia during the production of this film that her playing an autistic person made her feel uncomfortable. Let me find you the quote. I found the quote, and Maddie Ziegler said she didn't want anybody to feel like she was making fun of them, and she didn't. She felt uncomfortable during most of the early days of production. Sia pushed her to do the film, told her she would be protected, told her it would be okay, but I just, if the lead actor knows there's ableism there and knows they're uncomfortable, maybe you shouldn't do the fucking film. Wow. Sia also on Twitter when she was called out, she just doubled down on her bad behavior around autism and said, you know, you should watch the film before you judge it, how dare you judge a film that I made, stuff like that. Just really, really just offensive behavior around a film that people were saying was problematic. And, you know, I looked into it a little bit more and I also read that Maddie Ziegler also, in preparation for the film, watched videos of autistic children having meltdowns and having having episodes where they were unhappy to prepare for the film. Didn't work with a autistic actor, didn't work with an autistic person to find out how to do it right. She just watched videos on YouTube. That's so fucking bad. No, 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 no. The very first scene of the movie is Maddie Ziegler grunting and moaning as if to show what being autistic is like. So she's having a She's having, like, tics, and she's, you know, grunting and vocalizing and doing all this stuff. And from the very first frame, knowing that Maddie Ziegler is not autistic, and knowing that this is not a real portrayal of what an autistic person would be experiencing, I was so angry. I was angry right away. And, you know, bringing a real autistic actor into this role could have brought insight, could have made it stronger, could have been real and honest about the experience, but instead they chose to do this? What the fuck? Then we see the autistic character making facial expressions of what I can only assume is supposed to be physical tics and jumps, 
and it is so fucking disrespectful to people who live with autism, especially, and also disabled people generally who experience spasms. I just feel like it's really, really upsetting, and you know, there's a, there's big discussion in the disability community right now about people using the word spaz, and this is like a, a physical manifestation of that, and why we shouldn't use spasms as a, as a, as a plot point in a movie about disability where no disabled people are. So the autistic character is in a bright, dancey world. During all this, the dancers sing the, sing the lyrics that this reality is too much for me and oh, oh, body don't fail me now. So many undercurrents of ableism already and we're only about three minutes into the film at this point. In her fantasies, the autistic character is a dancer, but then she wakes up into her, into her autistic body, showing that in her mind, she's totally great. But in real life, she has autism. And I just feel like the parallels they were trying to draw here were just horribly, horribly off the mark. We see Music get out of bed and start her day. Oh yeah, her name is Music, by the way. I don't know why it's so weird. Her name is Music. Um, she gets out of bed, brushes her teeth, and she all all the while vocalizing and making tick sounds. And we see her hair being braided by her grandmother as her mother tells her inane trivia about hippos and cats. And then we see Music walk around the neighborhood say hi to everybody to vo- and continue to vocalize in a low tone and every time she does that I want to barf because I know it's not genuine and I know it's not what a real person living with autism would be experiencing and then shortly after that after her grandmother gets her ready for the day her grandmother starts to feel ill and then very quickly has a stroke and passes away And music comes back in from her walk and finds her grandmother on the floor. Her grandmother passes away. Then the next scene, we meet one of our other main characters, Zoo, which is short for... I can't even remember. It was so silly. But her name is Zoo, played by Kate Hudson. And we see her going through recovery... So, like, Alcoholics Anonymous, I think. And I, look, I really like Kate Hudson. I was such a fan of the early 2000s rom-com Kate Hudson. I really, really liked her. I think she's a great actress. But I'm really judging her super hard for agreeing to be a part of this really offensive film. I have a lot of issues with anybody that agreed to do this. Why? So after Zoo and um, Music's grandmother died, Zoo comes to see Music, and we find out that they're sisters. We find out that they have have you know a really a non-existent relationship, but they are related. Um, we hear how Zoo is a fuck up, how she's a she is a drug dealer, which we kind of find out later. But she is a drug dealer and. I can already see the arc in this film. Here it is. Zoo is disconnected from the world, gets to know music, becomes a better person. And we aren't even there yet, but I know that that's what's going to happen here. 
Um, and I know that's where we're going because they always do this in films about disability, right? They always make it through the able-bodied person's experience, through the able-bodied person's lens, and it's all about the able-bodied person becoming a better person, and that's exactly what they do in this film. And when Zoo goes to see music, we realize that she's not really interested in being there. She doesn't really care what's going on with music. Doesn't is really disinterested, which again shows the arc of like eventually she's going to learn and become a better person. Blah blah blah. It's horrible. So then the next scene, Zoo tries to offload music into the system and calls like a care facility and asks, "Hey, is there a place where I could just like drop her off? Can I just drop her off?" As if. Her autistic sister was nothing to her, and, like, she could just drop off a a pair of, like, you know, used shoes or something, as if music didn't matter and wasn't important, and that really bothered me, because do you know how many people are put in horrible care situations by people who just want to offload their disabled family member? And there's such a sordid and terrible history of that kind of stuff happening. And for them to to do this throwaway scene like it was nothing just really hurt me so much. So then Zoo is looking through her grandmother's will. And in the will, music is described as a magical little girl. And I just don't even know where to start with that. It upsets me that... They would describe her as a magical little girl because they're calling disabled, autistic, or mentally ill people magic. I just, I hate that phrasing because it reinforces such infantilizing and problematic views of disabled people and especially of autistic people in this portrayal. We're not magic, we're human, and that's okay too. The movie does this thing where it constantly pops back and forth between, like, what's actually happening and then then a weird music video-type colorful world that all the actors go in. And we're taken into this bright music video-type setting here where music dances and is happy and is a dream world. And I think the dream world is meant to show music's true feelings where autism doesn't affect her and she's a happy person. And the whole thing is just really cringy and it just they do it a bunch of times throughout the film where it's bright and colorful and happy and I just I can't I couldn't get over how much I hated that part but I really really did so then Zoo has to start taking care of music and and decides to make eggs for music in the morning and starts caring for her but it's very clear that she doesn't know how she has no no frame of reference for how to take care of somebody with autism. And so music, sensing this, gets upset and starts to hit herself and starts lashing out and hitting herself. And I think this kind of portrayal is so disrespectful of the autistic community because not all autism presents like that. And it's just so completely wrong that it was shown this way. I just can't get over how inappropriate it was inappropriate I mean there's cripping up but this is taking cripping up to a whole new dangerous fucking level like I can handle Brian Cranston in a wheelchair pretending to be a a quadriplegic 
for a second. I don't love it, but I can handle that way more than I can handle a non-disabled person trying to play somebody who's profoundly autistic without doing any proper research about what it means to be autistic. I can't. It makes me so... I'm getting so riled up. It just makes me so angry. So Zoo is clearly trying to take care of music, but doesn't know how. And again, music is lashing out. And then there's a knock on the door, and it's Ebo, who says he's a friend of music's and her grandmother's, and he knows music a little bit. And at this point, music is, is really... Um, upset and is hitting herself and becoming violent and so Ebo comes right in and immediately starts to restrain her by quote crushing her with his love and so many disability advocates looked at this part and said the way you're restraining her is wrong the way you're restraining her is dangerous this restraint is a huge problem in this film so many people said no no this is a problem and also, Ebo just gets there and immediately starts restraining her. And Zoo isn't like, hey, maybe don't do that to my sister. Who are you? Like, she has no problem letting this virtual stranger who she just met restrain her sister. And that's that's a real problem, too. Like, wouldn't you say, who are you? Wouldn't you say, like, what? why are you doing this? How do you know how to do this? Wouldn't you, like vet him a little bit more but uh, but she's just like it's okay it's okay go ahead and do it and it just feels it feels just not right and you know also in that scene where she's being restrained nobody asks music what she wants nobody checks in with music about what is making her feel okay and they don't check in with her at all throughout the film they use they use the music character as a prop to push along their narrative, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but they do that a lot in this film, and it really, really bothered me. But they certainly, in this scene where she's being restrained, they don't ask her what she wants. They don't ask her what makes her feel okay. They just restrain her, and it's a problem. So Zoo finds a book left by the grandmother that has scheduled out music's whole life and, and makes her whole life a schedule. And this bothered me because disabled people and autistic people deserve spontaneity. Not everyone's life is scheduled down to the letter, and that's not how a lot of people, a lot of people's lives with disabilities don't work that way. Yes, we have a lot of things scheduled for us. A lot of things are not on our timeline, but we do deserve spontaneity. So to have a book where everything is scheduled out is not necessarily realistic. So Ebo, Zoo, and Music go for a walk with with music, and Ebo talks about how his brother has special needs, and he knows what it's like dealing with somebody like music, and over in his country, they saw his his brother's autism as a curse, and... It would have been really interesting to learn about how other cultures viewed autism rather than watching this trash fire of a film. It would have been really cool if Sia had decided to educate herself by doing a documentary rather than doing this piece of shit film. Just my thoughts. So then they keep flipping in between music's 
music video style dreams and real life and I found it really distracting really really hard to follow what was actually happening and so as they're walking around Zoo makes a joke about sending music to the quote people pound how she was going to send music to the people pound later and I tell you when I heard that my blood boiled this is further proof that Sia doesn't care about disabled people if she did, she would know that we are fighting institutionalization every single day, constantly. And this throwaway comment, just like the one before where she asked if she could drop her off, is highly inappropriate. Then we meet Felix, who is one of Music's friends, who watches out for her and makes sure she's okay in and around the community. Um, and... We hear his father say that he is, that he doesn't know why they adopted him. They don't know why they adopted Felix in this really rude, sort of horrible way. So we learn really quickly that Felix is living in, a, in, a, in an abusive home. And that's all we get. It's one quick scene. And then we see that Zoo goes around to her drug dealing friend, played by Ben Schwartz, who is, and they're talking about how she can get money, how she can move some drugs around, and Ben Schwartz, who I really like, who was in Parks and Rec, who played John Ralphio, and I like him a lot, he was there wearing cornrows, and I just felt like this movie, you know, they have somebody playing an autistic person who is not autistic, they have somebody who who is white in cornrows, I just feel like this movie missed every single culturally sensitive thing out there, in 2021, and again, this movie is from 2021, and not even, um, not even like 20 years ago. They should know that this stuff is inappropriate. Inappropriate. So then we have this montage of Zoo doing things to get money, and we see that music is being cared for by Ebo, and then Ebo makes music. A, a bliss board with certain phrases so that she can press the button and it'll, it'll say like I'm happy, I'm sad, stuff like that and bliss boards are really cool I know a lot of disabled people who use letter boards or bliss boards but I think using it in this context for the film feels lazy, feels wrong and the representation of autism here is so skewed and it is designed to make non-disabled people feel comfortable even though it is grossly inaccurate. Part of me thinks they put the musical numbers in here to distract us from all the ableism. Maybe they thought if they put if they put musical numbers with pretty colors and, and music that we wouldn't realize how awful and unnecessary the film is uh, because they use the, the music video style montage thing a lot and it's really distracting and I think it is to remove us the audience from the ableism that's happening so the next scene is Ebo and Zoo are really flirty with, with each other they, they're really like all of a sudden really into each other and, and again they met each other like a day ago possibly and it's like the producers of the film wanted it to be a, me a meet cute romance with disability savior complex mixed in, able-bodied savior, and I think they achieved that 
pretty well here if that's what they're going for because they certainly didn't make a disability film about disability or praising disability or anything worth watching. So Ebo tells Zoo all these things about music like she wasn't even there. They talk about how for music each change comes with a barrage of new stimuli for her and we've known Ebo for all of 20 minutes. How would he know that this is how her world works? And they talk they talk about her a lot like she isn't there and it's really, really annoying. I really didn't like it and Ebo says to Zoo, music sees the world in a completely different way from us and this felt super ableist and another way for the audience to distance themselves from music and distance themselves from an autistic person and I really I just I didn't like that at all it was so so I just didn't like it it was just not a nice thing to say it just reinforced for the audience that disabled people are different from us therefore we should stay away So then music gets overwhelmed by kids in the park. We hear them laughing and they go into a fantasy world again for a second. And we see her get overwhelmed. And then Zoo has to restrain her again. But it's important to note that this restraint that she does. And she like restrains her face down in the park. And this is an improper restraint. This is not how you restrain somebody. It's wrong, it's incorrect, and it's dangerous. And people watch Zoo restrain music in the park as if music is some sort of animal they can watch. And this is really common when it comes to people with disability. This is the only thing that I think Sia got right in this horrible film, that people do stare at us all the time, and they especially stare at us when we are receiving care or support. That's the only thing that I can say that she got right in this film. So after the park, Zoo is talking to Ebo about her life, and she's talking to him about um, some stuff, and she says, oh yeah, this thing is my spirit animal, and I was like, oh my god, this film is, this film is so completely off the mark. Um, this film is a masterclass in everything not to do in film. Don't do anything this film does. Because you'll just be offensive to multiple groups all at the same time. And the film achieves this masterfully. Wow. This film makes me angry because if this was someone's first understanding of autism, if this was like the first movie somebody watched to really understand what autism was and how it played a role in someone's life, they got it so, so wrong and sending so many dangerous messages about people with autism, ableist, dangerous messages out into the world. And it's not right. It just makes, it just does everything wrong. So throughout all this, Zoo realizes that she likes Ebo and I feel like they used, I just keep feeling like they use music's autism as a plot device to move the two able-bodied characters to fall in love and to realize that they love each other because they were caring for a disabled person. Because remember, 
this movie isn't about disabled people at all. It isn't for disabled people. It isn't about disabled people. It's very, very clearly for another audience. It's not made for us or about us. And there are constant reminders in this film that it's not about us at all. So then they're back at Zoo and Music's apartment with Ebo and Zoo sings a song about music, but doesn't involve music at all in the song. She sings the song about music to Ebo, while music is sitting there in a chair, not really paying attention. And it was like, wow, you're going to sing a song about your autistic sister that is about your sister, but you're not going to include her in the song or, like, ask her to sit with you. You're going to sing it about her, but not to her. It just, again, was further proof that the movie (laughs) had nothing to do with Autistic people. It was made to placate able-bodied white people and make them feel better about themselves. Wow. So then Ebo gets invited to his other brother's wedding while they're in the house. He's like, oh, I got a letter from my other brother. He's getting married. And Zoo says, well, we'll come to the wedding. That's cool. Awesome. Great. We'll come and we'll be there for you. And they don't even bother to ask music if she wants to go to this wedding. They just say, oh, we're going to come. We're going to come. That's no problem. That's no problem at all. Like, wouldn't you ask your sibling if they wanted to go to the wedding? Wouldn't you be aware that they have feelings and thoughts and desires too and and not just drag them along? It's really, it was really kind of gross how they how they used Maddie Ziegler's character as a prop. It just really bothered me. So somewhere in all that, we learn that Ebo is HIV positive, which sort of becomes a part of the story too, because it just does somehow. It's very... The the narrative in this film is very disjointed and doesn't make any sense, really. And if if you're watching it with me right now, you know how weird it is and how it doesn't really properly tell the story so we learn that Ebo is HIV positive and that happens and then the next scene is Zoo tries to shuffle music off on her neighbors and when the neighbor who's played by the really cool Hector Elizondo and when the neighbor isn't able to take care of music he tells her to grow up And Zoo says, oh, that's what I thought I was doing. As if, like, taking care of her, taking care of music was helping her to grow up. Again, further proof that disability is just a plot point here. It's not something that we can unpack and talk about. It's just a plot point. So while all this is happening, Zoo is also continuing to work as kind of a a drug runner. And Zoo has to take music with her to do a drug run. And they go up to, to see this client... And Zoo says to Music, I don't want you to freak out, so could you just have all your freakouts here right now before we get up there? And like, fucking hell, it's so insensitive. Her being upset and showing emotions is not a freakout. Like, fuck off. Whoever, whoever wrote this, uh, well, we do know who wrote it. See ya. Like, fuck you. And then so they go to meet this client. And of course, guess who the client is? The client they're going to meet for Zoo to get the money for the drugs is Sia. Sia shows up in her own goddamn horrible fucking movie. She shows up. 
God, it's horrible. So then Sia talks about how she wants to do good things for the kids in Haiti with the the drugs that she's buying from Zoo. And it kind of struck me, the character wants to do good things for kids in Haiti, but she couldn't do right by the disability community and not make a trash fire of an ableist film. It was very weird. And it was really narcissistic for Sia to show up in her own fucking movie. Ah, there's just so many problems with it. No, no. So the next scene is we go into music's mind again, and she's doing a fantasy song, and the the lyrics are, come take a trip into my magical mind. And again, I say this again, and I'm going to underscore it this time, disabled people are not magical, and calling them that makes them feel like they are less than human. Don't do it. So then we see that Zoo keeps shirking her responsibility to music and pawning her off on other people and not really being there for her when she needs her to be there. And when you're taking care of somebody with a disability, whether it's profound or or just a, a lesser... Um, a lesser in severity disability. Maybe I misspoke there. Let me try again. When you're taking care of somebody who has a disability, period, you cannot shirk your responsibility to them. You cannot pawn them off on someone all the time. You have to be there. You have to help give them structure so they feel safe. So, music and zoo are at the park. And music gets stung by a bee after grabbing it. She The bee lands in her hand and she grabs it. And I remember when I was four years old, weird anecdote, I grabbed a bee and was stung in the same way. And then earlier in the film, you see the, the book all about music that the grandmother wrote. In the book, it told us that the music is allergic to bees. And, and Zoo realizes this when they're at the park. And she rushes music to the clinic. And music is at the clinic with Zoo. And Zoo says, Oh no, I was so worried that music would die. I was so worried that music would not be here anymore. And it was like, Oh, so now all of a sudden you care about her? This whole movie, you haven't really been paying attention to her at all. It's all been about you, you, you. But all of a sudden that she almost died, you care? I was so angry about that. No fucking way. You don't care. It's still all about you. So then Zoo realizes that she loses her bag of drugs and freaks out and it gets really angry and starts like, oh, fuck, I lost the drugs. Oh, no. And she scares music and music says, I'm scared. I'm scared. And all Zoo can say back is, we're all scared. Like, oh, wow. Your autistic sister is having, having an issue, and instead of being there for her, all you can say is, we're all scared. Like, you're so helpful. Like, fuck you, Zoo. This movie should be called Fuck You, Zoo, because I really detest this character that is supposed to be taking care of the disabled character. I cannot stand her. She's the worst. So in this upset over losing the drugs... 
Zoo starts to drink again. And as she, as she starts drinking again, she goes out in the hallway and waits for Ebo to come and save the day. And Ebo finally answers the door and says that all of this is too much for him. And he has to think about his health and he can't be with her anymore. And Zoo gets upset by this and gets violent with a guy in the lobby while talking with Ebo. And he threatens to, the guy in the lobby threatens to call the cops. And nobody throughout this whole scene is worried about what's happening to music. Music is inside the apartment by herself without anyone and no one seems to care. So then we get taken back to Felix, the the neighborhood friend that looks out for um, music, and we learn pretty quickly again that Felix's dad is abusive to his mom, and he starts beating up Felix's mom. And when Felix tries to intervene, his dad shoves him out of the way. He hits his head, and he dies. And it was really quick, and it was really sad. But I also don't understand why. Felix is really in the movie. His character didn't really add anything to the story, if there even was a story. Again, this whole fucking movie is a clusterfuck of disjointed, like, things that don't really make a movie. It's very, it's very, um, unclear what's happening at every, every second, really. Um, so then we go back into music's fantasy world, where... Sia sings some weird song. We realize that Felix <laughs> Felix has died. Um, then the next scene is Zoo whines and cries about how how she's bad news. Nobody can help her. She's the worst. <laughs> Ebo is there and he says, oh, "I really like you. I think we should be together." And they talk a bunch about music like she's not even in the room. Ebo says he feels safe with Zoo. Zoo says, you shouldn't be with me on bad news. Ebo says, okay, I'm going to leave. He leaves. Um, Zoo then cries a lot about how, oh, I have no one. Oh, I have nobody. And it's like, what the fuck about your sister? You do have your sister. What about your sister? Is is music not somebody? Again, further proof that disability is just a prop in this film. And then music ends up taking her walks by herself, alone in the neighborhood. And then Zoo goes to ask the neighbor for help because she realizes that she's spiraling and she realizes that she needs help. So then Zoo slowly starts to get her life together goes to AA, goes to meetings, looks for a job, does all this kind of stuff to help take care of music, finally. And so Zoo plans to go to the Dominican, or the Bahamas or somewhere, to go live her life on the beach. And so she talks about it through the whole movie, that she wants to go live on a beach somewhere. So you think she's like not doing that because she's going to take care of music, but then we find out that she does plan to leave music and put her in a facility, which again feels so wrong because those facilities and like like nursing homes and care homes and places where people live, they're not all amazing and they have a lot of problems. There's a lot of abuse that goes on there. And to show this in a film about disability, that they're just going to leave her in a facility, just 
it broke my heart. It was really hard to watch because the way they were painting the facility in this film was that it was like be this happy place for her to be, and it's not like that. So Zoo and Music go to the facility to look around. Sue asks if she will be okay and will anyone be there to help her and the facility staff member says we do the best with what we have and that's chilling because it should be the motto of most care places we do the best with what we have unfortunately they usually have nothing and they have no support and no money and no funding and no help and so that was just disheartening to see it's like it's like Sia did no research on what it was actually like to be in a facility. So then Music and Zoo are looking around around Music's new room in the facility. And Music says, please, Zoo, don't go. Stay with me, sis. Please stay with me. And so Zoo decides not to put Music in the facility and stay with her, which is great. Except the only reason she's doing that is so she can profess her love to Ebo. And so they meet up at the end at Ebo's brother's wedding and Zoo professes her, her love to Ebo and they profess her love to each other and Zoo says she's going to stay and do the right thing and take care of music which pissed me off because again they didn't check in to see what music wanted of her they just said here's what we're going to do and so this whole movie is literally Zoo is the worst and there happens to be an autistic person in the background. That's what this movie is, should be called. Like, it should literally be called Fuck You Zoo. Because it's so poorly put together. And so, Ebo and Zoo stay together, fall in love. And we see them as a happy little family. And then the movie ends. And that's it. And it's so disjointed and so weird. And so uncomfortable and so ableist. So I thought it would be wise to read for you some of the reviews that disabled people gave about the film to show you why you should never support films like this. And the only reason that I watched this movie was to hate watch it. And I'll never listen to another record of Sia's again. I'll never support her music again because what she did is horrible. Horrible. So let's read some reviews. Well, this review just sums up my feelings perfectly. It says, One star out of ten. Amazing. If I could give it minus stars, I would. It says, I'm heartbroken, angry, and I'm so, so disgusted. Sia was my hero for so long. As a neurodivergent person watching this, I felt sick to my stomach to the point I had to turn it off. Is this really how she sees me? How she sees people like me? I'm also disappointed because I used to look up to her so much and she turned out to be an evil wretch of a person. Absolutely evil. Well, you're not incorrect there, reviewer. Let's read some more because they're important to go through. Uh, let me pull up another one right here. Another review says, Bad. Just bad. Bad acting. Bad characters. Offensive story. Misinformation on all ends. Hudson should know better. Maddie Ziegler doesn't know better. Sia at a loss for words here. Curiosity made me watch, and I'm sorry I was curious.
Somebody says, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. True fact. Somebody gave it a 6 out of 10. Ew. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the one sort of positive review, which again comes, it does come from an artistic person, so okay, I'm willing to listen here, I'll read the review. They said, don't believe the hype, see it for yourself. I was disappointed to find that C's directorial debut isn't the train wreck everyone says it is. That's why I decided to check it out, because of all the negative reviews. What exactly is everyone's problem with? Apparently, the detractors all hate the lead performance, and even invented terms like autistic blackface to describe it. Okay. Alright. Wow. They all treat this movie as if it were an affront to humanity because of this performance, saying that it's degrading to autistic people. Well, I'm high-functioning autistic. Don't like the use of that phrase there. And I expected to be offended, but came away realizing that the character music is meant to be low-functioning. She can't speak, only communicates in noises, and wears headphones to filter out the noise of the world because she has sensitive hearing. Sure, this isn't my experience, and it isn't the experience of a lot of autistic adults, and I think the filmmakers know this. This character is not meant to be a representation of every autistic person in the world. I get that, and it was okay with the movie. Oh, I don't agree with you there, reviewer. I don't agree. Another reviewer says, this, this is harmful and an absolute disgrace. As an autistic woman, all I can say is that this movie by no means represents us as a community. The portrayal of autism is so inaccurate and insulting, and I'm genuinely scared that people will think this is realistic. This is mocking us, and not only that, but the restraint scene makes me sick. So many autistic children have died from being restrained like that. This is not okay and should never have been made, especially not with a neurotypical actress. And it goes on and on to just prove my point that this movie should never have been made. And it was a horrible, horrible idea on the part of, of all the actors, the whole crew. And maybe you shouldn't let somebody who does music direct a film about disability when they're not disabled themselves. Um, I could go on about how much I hated this film and how much I disliked it, but I'm giving it minus a hundred thousand stars because it's just really bad and it's ableist trash. And if you watch along with me out of hate, then you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you just listen to me tear to shreds and were confused because it jumped all over the place, well... You should have been, because the movie was really very confusing and really super ableisty. So, um, that's it. And that was our themed months of Great Flicks and Joysticks. I want to do more of these, so I'm going to pepper in more Great Flicks and Joysticks movie reviews. If you want me to review a movie, um, send us an email at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com, and I would love to... Uh, Find a movie about disability that you liked or didn't like and review it for you. So thank you so much for being here um, and for listening today. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks, friends. Bye. 
Alright friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was of course your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here, thank you so much for listening, and shining a bright light on disability stories with me. If you want to follow all my work and see all my links and all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head over to my new website, aagerza.com. And all my stuff is there, my social links are there, my website is there, my podcast is there, everything is there, and you can follow along with the show that way. If you want to leave a review for the show, please do so wherever you get your podcast. It really does help keep the bright lights shining on this show. If you want to support the show financially and get the show one day early, completely ad-free, as well as a shout-out on the air, consider pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll shine a bright light on disability stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022